Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest. We have hit songwriter Blake Pendergrass. Blake sprung into the music industry after being the only unsigned songwriter on Morgan Wallen's Dangerous album. He wrote the smash hit 865 on that album, one of my favorites, and ever since he's had cuts on Sean Stemley, Lily Rose, Chris Lane, and many more. You're going to hear stories of Blake's time studying commercial music at Belmont, the story behind the writing of some of his biggest hits, and his advice to the next generation of songwriters. I hope you guys enjoy. This is a really fun episode, and we'll see you at the end. Blake, how you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. So getting right into your story, uh, you grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. What was your childhood like? Man, it was great. I, I spent my, my first 17 years of life there in Raleigh. Um, pretty, pretty normal childhood and everything. Uh, good, solid family. I have one brother. Um, all my family's kind of in uh, like just like the business sector of life. Uh, my dad has got his own business that um, I got to see him run when I was growing up, which uh, really instilled in me a lot of like just good hard work and everything that uh, that comes from seeing somebody that runs their own shop kind of thing. And then my brother is, he's uh, he lives in DC and he does finance. And my mom is a stay at home mom. She was, she was a great mother. Um, so I had a great childhood in every regard. Um, and uh, yeah, really didn't get started in music um, until later on in life. Um, but around high school age is kind of when I jumped into that. But, yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. So taking the music path was definitely a different route for your family then. It was. Yeah. I mean, my brother, so funny enough, my brother, the reason I started singing at all or doing anything musical was my brother was in a choir um, in high school and I just wanted to take a class with my brother. So I pretty much signed up for that and uh, I started really enjoying it. And the teacher actually at my high school, he pulled me aside one day and was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know that you like, you're a really good singer. I want you to, I want you to just be aware of that. And if you wanted to dive into this more, I'd love to kind of just like, help foster that in you and help kind of really like teach you about music and everything. And so I had a really great teacher and also just a really great support for my family and everything kind of early on. That's awesome. So before you even started singing, who were some of the artists that you really listened to kind of growing up as a kid that kind of got you into music? For sure. Yeah. I, I really grew up listening to the radio, to the country music radio. Honestly, my parents had it always on in the car and, um, I mean, I, I can always remember, I, I really loved all the Carrie Underwood songs and stuff like that, just like commercial country music. Tim McGraw, I think, was my first concert. Um, so I really did kind of grow up listening to what I get to be a part of these days um, and to to really just like dive into it. I, I tried to branch out as much as I could, but back then it was it was not as easily accessible. You had to buy it, a lot of the music and uh, that was not, I, I didn't really, when you're like 10 years old, you don't have a whole lot of money to buy, <laughs> buy music, but I was, uh, I, I did, did listen to like just pop music and all that kind of stuff as I was coming up as well. Um, but it definitely was more towards like the streaming era that I was able to kind of listen to a lot of other kinds of music, but country was really what I, what I grew up on. Totally. Now, other than doing choir in school, did, uh, you start playing out in your local area or anything like that during high school? So I actually did not. I, uh, I didn't write songs or do any of that until, uh, until later in life into college, but up until that point, I was pretty much just doing doing the choir, um, and I was playing in my church worship band and everything. Just pretty typical Southern thing to do. I was leading worship and everything, and um, had a lot of fun doing that. And that kind of taught me how to, I guess, be in front of people in a in a very small setting and everything. But I didn't really get into the songwriting and everything until until kind of the college times and everything. But gotcha. 
So yeah. uh, you didn't get into songwriting until around college, but were you already studying commercial music at Belmont or did you switch into that? So I came to Belmont for, uh, for commercial music. So I kind of made a decision right there towards like my senior year of high school and everything when I was about to have to make the choice of what I wanted to do, kind of when you feel like you're kind of having to decide what you want to do with your life. Um, and uh, my dad actually, and my brother actually was like, hey, you love music, why haven't you checked out Belmont? Um, and so like, I, I pretty much told my family, I was like, there's no way, you, I don't know how to succeed at music. I'm not gonna pursue that. I'm not gonna chase that down. Um, but my family really encouraged me to do it. They were like, well, why don't you just apply and see what happens kind of thing. And um, so I applied, I literally applied as late as you could to Belmont, like the last possible day that you could apply pretty much. And so I pretty much took that opportunity to say, like, if this happens, then I'll like, kind of take it as a, like a kind of like a calling, like that this is what I'm supposed to do. Like if I get into this program and if I get to do this, then I'm going to do this instead because it feels like that's actually what I'm passionate about and my family and my dad, especially like kind of like I was saying with his, like his own shop, he was very, he was very, he pretty much made me very aware. He's like, do what you want to do. And like, if, or at least give it a shot. And like, if you, if you aren't able to do it and it doesn't work, then you're always going to be happy that you tried to. Um, and he's like, if there's an any time to try to do music, it's when you're about to go to college and when you're about to do this. So, so you can just see what it's like. Um, so I had a great support system around me there, but, um, yeah, I, I, I auditioned for the commercial music program and I started out doing it just, just right there. And the songwriting came almost immediately after I got to, uh, to Belmont. I met a guy and right before I came, he came to my church and like I said, I was in the worship band and everything. So I went to the event and, uh, his name is Johnny Diaz and he had, he was in the Christian music industry at the time. And he had a number one in Christian music, like, pretty much around the same time that he was at our church. And so I just, okay. and he said he was living in Nashville and he was like pretty much like talking all about Nashville and the town and everything. So I was like, well, maybe I should get to know this guy. So my mom actually was like, you should go talk to him. <laughs> and so I went up and talked to him and he was kind enough to like offer to take me to lunch whenever I went to, whenever I got to Nashville. Um, and he's the one that really like encouraged me to start songwriting and everything. He was pretty much like, I had told him, cause I think I'd probably like dabbled. I written like one song or something. I told him, I remember at that time I told him, I was like, man, I just, I just don't have it in me. I can't do it. I wrote this one song and it was terrible. And he was, that was the awareness that I had of like songwriting. I thought you could either do it amazingly or you couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, but he kind of obviously educated me that it doesn't work like that and was really awesome in the beginning times to like, really like, he was just like, write 30 songs and if they all suck then you're still on the right track you know and it's like it's just like gave me the courage to kind of fail which i wouldn't have been able to know otherwise but that's kind right. of when i got started into it totally now you st studying commercial music uh what is something that you really like learned during that time and do you apply that any like in any aspect like when you're writing today yeah for sure i uh i learned a lot of music theory when i was in school um that's kind of like part of the whole program is like your first four semesters that's pretty music theory heavy which definitely benefits from like a, a perspective that both that and like they do like somewhat ear training which is like just you hear music and you're supposed to be able to like know what it's doing like from a mechanics standpoint um and so that's very helpful it helps you be a lot quicker in the writing room and helps you be a lot more aware of what you need to have going on um and it's also just a good foundation for music in general you understand it more um but then also the singing aspect of it i learned how to sing healthily and like sing well um and that helps a lot 
with, I mean, any, whether it be demos or playing out or like anything, it's like always good to have like the ability to do that. And like with the hopes of going down the road and being like an artist one day, it's like, that's like obviously a good skill to have. Um, and then also I just kind of learned from being at Belmont, not even just from the major perspective, but just from the people there. Like I really learned what people were capable of. It was kind of like a, a dip your toe into the music industry kind of thing and like see what the like how talented people really are because I got there and I was like I don't feel I was like I'm not the most talented person by any means here I'm like the least <laughs> and so it really gave me a perspective to be able to see the people around me and to also learn from everybody um that I was in like in school with and everything it was awesome yeah what did those first few years look like for you in Nashville uh not only networking with the people at Belmont or but were you going out and like hitting like coffee shops or bars at night trying to kind of get into your group? Yeah, for sure. I was, uh, I was really trying heavily to, at that time it was school. It was kind of like a blend. So I was kind of getting a different, different side of Nashville um, at the same time. But like, I definitely was trying to meet as many people. And like I said, learn from as many people as I could. Cause I, I really learned quickly that if I was going to be able to succeed in music, I was going to have to like convince people that were better than me that I would that they should like pay attention to me and work with me. And so I could learn from them. And so I kind of uh, like developed this ability to um, just to like befriend people. And then also to be able to just kind of like work with them kind of organically. And it's really, it's easier I think at Belmont than it would be in like, if I was just like going cold and started going to like Midtown and like meeting people like that. Right. Um, so I kind of got a first, like, it was, like I said, like a, almost like a, easy entry that way um but then from there it was really just like honing in on the people that i found i met the guy that i still write with the most the first day of belmont actually his name's john byron um and uh he and i met literally at orientation at belmont we didn't write that like after that but it took about two years for us to like end up writing but we we became friends which was very important and significant um and like i said that was like the first day at belmont so it's kind of like consistent with I always have felt like I've been like called to this path and it's like, this is like a very, it's, there's almost like road signs along the way that like confirm that for me. And that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Now when you, when you were at Belmont, did you, uh, you were with John Byron and did you also go to school with Ben Johnson too? I did. Yeah. I didn't know Ben too well. Um, which is funny because JB and, and Ben are, are both really good friends. I didn't meet Ben until a little, little bit later on. He was a, I think he was a year ahead of me. Gotcha. Yeah. So- how long after you moved to Nashville that uh, you picked up an internship at Big Machine? Oh, so I actually wasn't at Big Machine. I went to BMG. Uh, that okay. was the internship that, yeah, yeah. So BMG back in the day. Uh, I had kind of gotten a couple internships along the way, and that one was my junior year, I believe. Um, that was when I actually started writing with JB um, because I was interning at BMG. Uh, I think this was the summer before my junior year, perhaps, maybe. Um, but JB walked through the door. There used to be the old BMG building. That it was like like right there on the music row and everything. And there was like a writer's building. It was right there on the street that people would just literally like walk in the front door to come write. And so I was working at the writer's desk right there. Um, and JB walked in. He was writing with a guy named Wynn Barble, um, who I'd like just, he was hilarious. He's a writer in town and he's great. Um, but JB walked in and I was like, holy shit. He's like, what up, dude? I was like, like, this is crazy. And I was like, I didn't even know you wrote songs. Like, I, we both literally didn't even know that we were trying to do that. Um, and I just pretty much was like, hey, man, I'd love to, like, see what you do. Again, like, trying to, like, 
see a person that's doing better than I am and trying to like essentially convince them that I should, that they should take the time to like spend some time with me. And so like, I, I just reached out to him and asked if he'd write and he, he did. And um, we really wrote a good song the first time that we got together and that kind of took that path. But BMG was awesome for me. It was like a, essentially I took the opportunity to sit at that building, sit at that desk and just talk to anybody that would talk to me. So yeah. like there would be constantly writers running through there that would be, that are just huge. There were just giant writers and some of them wouldn't talk to me at all, but some of them would like spend like 30 minutes talking to me and stuff. And so I was able to learn both through that, like what their lives look like. And I was also able to, I had access to the entire catalog of the publishing company. And so that was like 30 years probably worth of songs that people had been writing. There's like a hundred new songs every week you know i mean wow. like that, that company would get and so i was able to sift through that and kind of gauge what the level of songwriting was for a professional songwriter in a way that i was able to kind of take back to my own writing and be like all right if it's not if it's not that good it's not it's not ready to go and so it gave me a lot of perspective which is it was huge totally now moving on uh in uh for morgan wallen's dangerous album you were the only unsigned writer to have a cut on that uh 865 honestly one of my favorite songs on the record what do you remember like, about the day you wrote that song it's crazy man so that song uh me and jb wrote it together just us two and uh we were set it up we we have a standing monday right um which we've like kind of almost had since like i was telling you since that bmg day we've kind of like set up a, a standing monday right and so we were doing our standard monday right there was a, a supposed to be a third person on that right that uh, I guess it was right towards the like beginning of COVID and nobody had like decided that Zoom was going to be like an official thing. Really, it was just like people were starting to do it a little bit, but it wasn't like expected that you do it. So the person that was supposed to be on that right jumped off and me and JB were just like, let's still let's go. Let's try it and see what we do. See, like, so it was our first Zoom right ever um and so we get on the zoom right in the morning before i'd kind of had this like i i always kind of get inspiration from listening to other songs and stuff and just like it's, it's kind of like putting your brain on input i guess yeah um, i had been listening to a song that had a line in it that was talking about like it was like it's just a matter of time before whiskey turns into a phone call or something was like what the line was and i was like oh that'd be really cool if you could make it like the actual phone number if you could write a song about like whiskey tasting like an actual like phone number that'd be weird um and i thought jb was gonna hate it to be honest i, I like threw out the idea because there's like times where i have ideas i'm like I, I don't think jb's gonna like this one but and that was one of them jb loved it um which was cool and uh we dove into it we wrote it in like probably an hour i would think an hour or maybe in an hour and a half like it was very quick and uh at that time we didn't have any sort of like publishing deals or anything that was that was like an avenue to get a song anywhere so we just had a we just loved it we were just like oh, this is really good but we'd written a lot of stuff that we loved and it's just kind of the same story we were trying to like cut our teeth and just like get good songs but didn't really have any big plans for that song and then through a crazy course of events essentially jb was able to get it to a guy named mike Greco, who is a publisher at an a and r person at, at big loud and uh mike at the time was trying to sign jb um like down the road a little bit he was trying to like sign jb but uh pretty much didn't have jb didn't have cuts either so he was just like well let me see what i can get let me see what seth england who's the head of big loud thinks of these songs and so it was at, called 919 at the time he showed 919 to seth and seth england was like 
this is going to be a Morgan Wallen song. And he put it on like, and we couldn't believe it. I didn't know that for like months afterwards, but that was kind of the way that the story unfolded behind the scenes and everything. And then it became track five and it came out on the record and the, the album did what it did. And it's been a huge, humongous help for me and a huge, I mean, that song has changed my life for sure. I'm sure. Now I actually looked it up. 919 is a North Carolina area code. Is that your area code growing up? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Raleigh, North Carolina. Wow. That's awesome. Now kind of that, that song led to you signing your publishing deal, right? It did. Yeah. Yeah. It led to, uh, to essentially me having the ability to choose what I wanted and everything, which was great. And uh, you were the flagship writer for uh, Backblocks. How does it, what does it feel like to be like the first artist that they signed? It's fantastic, man. It's, it's, uh, it's been a great journey so far. Rakaya Marshall is the head of that company and she has been uh, an amazing person to help kind of capitalize on the the success that I was bringing to the table and everything. She's been able to bring me into rooms and like get me into collaborations that I couldn't have done by myself. And uh, I think that the small shop that like it's me, Lily Rose and Ashley Cook and the ability for it to be kind of like devoted attention to each of us has been huge, especially in this beginning phase of like my publishing deal and my artist or my songwriting career and everything. It's just like, having somebody that's fully invested and, and devoted to your craft and your music and who you're with each day is, has been incredibly significant. And she's got tons of connections and tons of people that she knows that have led to tons of opportunities for me. So I couldn't, I couldn't be happier, man. Now you mentioned Lily Rose. Another one of my favorite songs you wrote is breaking in that you wrote with yeah. JB and uh, Ben Johnson. What do you remember yeah. about the day writing that one? That one was fun, man. That one was a quick one too. We, uh, that kind of like fell together that day did. Um, I think I remember that day we pretty much just got, I got like a text. It was probably from Rakai. She was like, Hey, I think Ben Johnson's going to jump in today. Like it was like, I think Lily wanted him to be a part of it. And just like, it was like, everybody knew that everybody was kind of like associated with each other already. So they were like, Oh, it could be a cool combo. And so, um, I think that it went down like, they started playing like a JB and Ben started playing kind of like the like ding, 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 like that tempo, like really fast thing that's at the top of that song. Um, and I was just kind of like looking through while they did that. I was just kind of like sitting there looking through to like see if anything fit with that. And I had the breaking in idea that I just started, I kind of like sang a little like melody for like the top of the chorus or something like that. Um, and then we just kind of ran with it. And like, I think that oftentimes in the writing room for, for me, I'm kind of, I kind of write from this perspective of like, I almost have to be in my own little world for a while. So like, I think they pretty much wrote like parts of the verses and then I like pieced it together and like I was working on the chorus. So it was like really cool, like way to collaborate and everything. Wow. Now, right now you're obviously focusing on your songwriting, but is an artist career something that you'd want to pursue one day? I think so. Yeah, I definitely have that aspiration. Uh, that's what I moved to town originally to, to kind of pursue and everything. It was just to, to sing. Um, I didn't really have much plans further than I liked to sing and I liked music. Um, and as I've gone through it, I actually have found that I really love the songwriting side of it and everything. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I was able to really hone in on that and make that be the foundation that I'm kind of running with. Um, and so I'm kind of like just looking at it as like, I'm walking through the doors that are open for me at this point. And the songwriting was so like, such a big opportunity. Um, and so if the artist career ends up being something like that down the road, then I, I think I'd love to enjoy and pursue that as well. Um, but also at the point of not trying to force anything and just, just really trying to like 
take it day by day and see where it leads, you know? So um, I'm definitely, definitely having a great time being a songwriter too. Totally. If you ever did put out your own album as an artist, what would you say your sound would probably be if you were to put it out today? It would be very lyrical songwriting, I think would be one of the elements of it for sure. Um, I think I've kind of learned what I consider to be a good song, what I consider to be a great song and everything. So I think there would be like a pretty consistent theme of like, I would want to make sure I tried to make every song like a bulletproof lyric that was captivating and all those different things. As far as sonically goes, you know, I think that comes with time. I think that it would, I don't really know if I could pin down entirely what musically it would sound like. I think it would be one of those things where kind of just like with songwriting where it's like, you just kind of like start out and see where it leads you. I think that would probably be more of what I did. And then I would allow it to kind of develop naturally, um, depending on like, I mean, there's tons of great producers and stuff in Nashville that I would probably call up and ask and say like, let's, let's get something together. Um, but it's hard to pin down musical sounds, I guess, in words. <laughs> right. You said uh, stress the, the lyrical part of the record. Do you have any uh, John Mayer inspiration? I do. Yeah, I love John Mayer. John Mayer, uh, I think, is one of the best to ever do any of it. I mean, he's literally, I mean, he's clearly demonstrated that he can write about any genre that he wants to write, which is impressive. <laughs> and then he's got the the musical knowledge to do incredibly complex things. But I think that his knowledge of complex things also gives him the ability to know how to do something simply and make it better um, than if anybody else really tried to do it. Yeah. Now to close out my interviews, I always like to ask my guests what a piece of advice they would give to uh, another aspiring musician, something you've learned along the way. Yeah, hundred percent. There is a lot that I've learned along the way. Um, trying to think what phase, there's so many different phases of like the, the journey that there's like advice to give. Um, I guess for like starting out, I think that it's like the same advice everybody gives, but just like to have the the courage and everything to to try and to fail and that it's like, okay, to write a ton of bad songs. Uh, I kind of come at songwriting from the perspective that truthfully, I think anybody could do it, um, which is not something a lot of people I think believe, but like my experience was is that I, I could not do songwriting. I did not know how to write songs. And I like really did like dive into what I considered to be quality people and quality songwriting and like learned how to do it. Um, and so I think that it's actually more accessible than people give it credit for. Um, I think that there's no, there's no lost opportunity. If you like look at people like Craig Wiseman and like Michael Hardy, like I, that's like literally what I did. I literally would sit there and listen to their songs and like analyze how they did stuff um, and learn the songwriting craft from a distance, I guess. Um, and I think that, from a perspective of advice, like the best thing I could say would be to like saturate yourself in high, high quality music to the point that you understand why it is high quality. Um, and I think that at that point, most people, if you have like musical tendencies, can probably write songs. <laughs> well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Blake Pendergrass. Blake, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had an awesome time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Blake McCoy Pendergrass. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with hit songwriter, producer, and the head of Relative Music Group, Dennis McCoskey. I want to give a big thank you to TBD Coffee Co. for being the official coffee of Starting Small Music. Check them out at tbdcoffeeco.com. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram at Starting Small Music and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. 
And remember, everyone starts small.